0: The List- California. Weather headlines for today, yes.
1: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator Podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, where we and members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to discuss everything you need to know about revenue operations. Joining us is Natalie Furness, who is the CEO at RevOps Automated, which is a master of scale builder of revenue growth engines and self-confessed data geek. RevOps Automated is the HubSpot partner consultancy on a mission to get every ounce of value out of the HubSpot ecosystem. And today, Natalie and I are going to discuss the annual RevOps study findings. Okay, here's my conversation with Natalie Furness, the CEO at RevOps Automated. Natalie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Doug. Lovely to meet you. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Yeah, cheers. Good to have you on board, Natalie. You know, RevOps is one of those terms that tend to mean different things to different people, especially as it's been evolving over the year. So Natalie, help us out. What's the proper definition of RevOps?
1: I mean, you've got me there with proper definition. I mean, I think we're all as a community deciding what that proper definition is. The way that I interpret it based on the research that I did across the industry is it's really about aligning people, processes and data systems across an organization now some people think of this just across marketing sales and success whereas i like to think about it across the whole entire customer life cycle so from the moment that a customer becomes aware of your brand to the moment that your customer becomes an evangelist of your brand and all the digital touch points in between so they might have interactions with marketing sales success but also product and finance and your business admin so it's aligning people, processes, and data across the entire customer lifecycle.
0: That's a great definition, Natalie. And I, I think there's a lot packed into that. You know, what you just talked about was the scope in many ways. But, you know, I have to say, I feel like revenue ops or rev ops is getting more and more strategic over time. Thus, your business and thus your clarion call to others who aren't thinking about rev ops strategically how do you think about rub beyond this idea of coordination and breaking out of silos? How does it become more strategic for organizations at large?
1: Yeah, so thinking about it from a strategic point of view, revenue operations is all about reducing waste so that we can scale better, faster without having additional costs. So, if you think about it, like when you're a scrappy startup, you're doing lots of experimentation, lots of focus on kind of driving demand, trying to find product market fit, trying to find your customers. And then you start serving your customers. But if you were to continue with those processes, you would have to scale your human resources over and over again to manage the same amount of demand, experimentation, et cetera, et cetera. Now, it comes to a point in a company where you want to be able to scale your revenue without having to increase your expenses at the same rate. And this is when revenue operations becomes kind of like that strategic point in a business. It's when organizations want to lean down their operations processes so they can actually achieve more revenue with less resources. Yeah, it's all about focused on increasing revenue faster than it's about increasing
0: costs to a company. I love that definition, Natalie, and I love that description of its strategic role. I've got to ask, what the flip side looks like for organizations that attempt to scale without a cohesive, even an early stage, rev ops function? What does that look like? Is it a total mess?
1: Every business is different, and there's this whole focus on you know framework versus creativity. You know, should we be bolstering down? operations so that they are step-by-step processes. So everybody's following the same rules and the same practice so we can optimize and provide efficient, you know, looking at like the Toyota model, like should we be focusing on that sort of really lean Six Sigma or should we be putting in frameworks to enable people to have that creativity so that we can still get that like creative entrepreneur vibe, but at the same time be growing. And I don't think there's one right answer to it. I do think you need some form of strategic plan to to implement RevOps so that your systems scale without costing you more money. Because I mean, ultimately, you're not going to be able to improve your profit margins if you don't have a succinct RevOps strategy. And businesses that don't make profit don't tend to stay around for very long.
0: Unless they're backed by SoftBank. <laughs>
1: so. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be one of those companies that continues to operate in depth for the next like 50 years, then don't do RevOps. You know, that's fine. But, you know, if you do want to be one of those companies that wants to improve your profit margins, decrease your cost per customer acquisition, improve the lifetime value of your customer, then RevOps
0: is for you. Okay, fantastic. So Natalie, tell us a little bit about the study. Why take on something that's frankly a heck of a lot of work? And you know, tell us about what you're hoping to get out of the study, where you're hoping your audience gets out of the study.
1: Great question, Doug. I mean, why did we start doing such a big study? I think halfway through, I kind of thought the same thing. But.
0: <laughs> right. At 4 a.m. <laughs> on a Tuesday, you're like, why am I working on the study right now?
1: Yeah, but I think as a consultancy in the RevOps space, it's really important that we understand what the entire landscape looks like because we're only able to offer value to our customers if we truly understand the best practices in revops and that's why i wanted to bring my whole team together to look at you know how we define it how you set it up in you know small enterprises and what the big organizations are doing looking at the different technology stacks what people are using for different parts of their stack so that we can pass those findings on to our clients now we also wanted to make it public because I'm a true believer that knowledge should be shared. And, you know, knowledge is great for everybody. I want to raise the awareness of revenue operations. And we've had a lot of great feedback. Asia Corbett, like, spoke to us. She, Was big involved in Rev Genius when when that sort of started, she said to us that it was like one of the best papers she'd ever read in the space about Revops. So that was a really like proud moment for us, like to get recognition from such an influencer in the space. So and just realizing that people are learning from it and people are now kind of like trying to brainstorm with us ideas of how to improve their business using some of the things that we talked about in the paper. So for me, like having that impact to get people to start thinking about it, like that's the main reason why we did it. And yeah, for readers, it's free to download. You can take a look at it at www.rabopsautomated.com forward slash free dash book. And yeah, you can take a read. And if you've got questions, you can always message me
0: so natalie i think what's been really interesting is that if we look at this idea of a unicorn right and so the definition of unicorn is an organization that is valued at a billion dollars and we've got quite a few unicorns that are being produced in sales tech i think the most recent was captivate iq that was recently valued at more than a billion dollars so i would say that the market at large and i would say that the investors would agree that RevOps is becoming more and more strategic just by definition, or just by evidence of the fact that we've got so many unicorns out there that represent members of that RevTech stack. So the other side of that too, Natalie, is that it seems like there's a lot of dollars heading into investing in the stack. And my question for you is, are you seeing a proliferation of the RevTech stack, meaning is it getting bigger and bigger and bigger and hitting that point of diminishing return?
1: I mean... you're asking the question at the right time, Doug, because we've actually just started our research paper in the future of tech in RevOps. Like, we're definitely like, that's the next thing we want to focus on. We are very much like what was happening in the MarTech space. We are seeing more and more technologies focused on RevOps coming out because there's more investment. And with more investment means more technologies are being launched. The tricky thing is deciding which one is best, And I'm not sure that human beings have become the best at evaluating which technologies are best for their stack. And this becomes really important in this sort of RevOps role. We're seeing now that organizations are putting system evaluation and tech stack evaluation into the RevOps team because they're the one team that actually can see the marketing, sales, success, finance, like what all those technologies are. The risk is if you have a Different like revops for maybe the quote to cash process and a different like revops technology for you know something further on in the customer lifecycle and they kind of overlap but don't integrate that becomes a problem. Like any technology, we do need to make sure that the data flow from one part of the customer journey to another is is considered when purchasing technology. I don't think we can innovate too much in tech, but there is a risk if organizations have that kind of shiny object syndrome where they always want the kind of newest, bestest, brightest, new bit of technology, that if it's not implemented correctly into the company, that's when it becomes the problem. The tech isn't necessarily the problem. It's often the way it's implemented.
0: I guess, Natalie, what I'm trying to understand is, you know, is there a point of diminishing returns or is there so much headspace, meaning there's so much left to be automated that we're not approaching that? In other words, There is no tipping point in the next year or two where we're saying we're adding too many technologies to our tech stack. Is there that much more room for automation?
1: I think I'm struggling with answering this question because there's a difference between having too many different bits of technology and too much technology because those are kind of different questions. So can you have too many different bits of technology in your stack? Certainly. Certainly. I believe that less is more when it comes to different bits of technology in your stack. If you could afford to do that, you know there is a reason why the the CRMs, the Hubspots, the Salesforces, the Oracles, you know those bits of technology that have like multiple features that across the whole customer lifecycle are a little bit more expensive than you know. Your MailChimp, your MailAlliance, your active campaigns, the ones that sort of touch on one point of the customer lifecycle. I would actually say that as businesses grow, they should focus on refining and simplifying their stack, but they might then venture off into other bits of revenue focused technology focused on making sure they have a database system that crosses across all their different technology stacks. They might be the ones using AI and machine learning. I don't think you can have too much innovative technology but i do believe you can have too much different technologies that don't integrate together
0: yeah and I, I think that's a hard question to answer as well natalie i appreciate the fact that it really does depend on the circumstances of your business and how many use cases you have to manage and really frankly the, if you think about it how many different product sets you have and how big and diverse is the business right so it's a tough question to answer I also would ask you this, Natalie, because you're the expert here on the show today. I'm going to ask you a bit of a curveball question as well, which is if RevOps is ultimately the glue between all of the different organizations that they service, when does RevOps go from being, if you will, the people glue with these systems to actually being the architect of the larger strategy. When does that happen? Because I feel like what I'm hearing from you right now is it's about forming those organizations first. It's about making sure they're cohesive. But when does that shift? When do they start becoming more strategic?
1: So I see revenue operations as a function within the business, and within a revenue operations team, you will have somebody that's a chief revenue officer that will sit somewhere on the C-suite, and they will have that strategic, you know, overlooking focus, much like a CEO or the COO or a CFO or, you know, a CMO or a CSO, you know, they'll sit up there, but they will look at it very much from a revenue returns point of view, looking at cost per customer acquisition versus lifetime value of customer. That's where they sit. But then we have our revenue operations managers, and these might be RevOps system managers that run all of the technology systems across the organization. We'll have RevOps analysts that will sit again within the RevOps team. And rather than having sales analysts, marketing analysts, and customer service analysts, the idea being is that you have a RevOps analyst that analyzes across the whole customer lifecycle, reducing the silos. And then on top of that, you might have another data insights manager. You might have a few CRM administrators that are focused on you know, what does that journey look like from an automation point of view? Some companies are still having a marketing ops, a sales ops, and a customer success ops, but then they report into the RevOps team as well. So that's kind of the way in which, so you've got the marketing ops, sales ops, and success ops, which are kind of like that tactical implementation of operations. Then above that, the level of RevOps, system manager, insight, revenue enablement, sales enablement. And then above that, the CRO that sits on the C-suite and feeds back all that information from the RevOps team.
0: So that's the future state of RevOps, right? You know, I don't know what to title this, right? It's the chief of revenue ops. So is that CRO? I guess it's a different kind of CRO. We'll have to put a small C in there somewhere. And I have to say Gartner would agree with you, Natalie, in that ultimately they feel like this becomes more and more a strategic role. I have to say, I'm curious to see how we would tackle, you know, getting to the point that we have this high functioning revenue ops function together but I think that's another episode for us. So Natalie, thank you so much. I think what we're going to do then is dig in and talk about how to implement RevOps. Would you come back and talk to us about that? Sure, sounds great. All right, fantastic. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Natalie Furness, CEO at RevOps Automated for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Natalie and I are going to discuss where to implement RevOps first. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Natalie, you can find a link in her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Or you can contact her on Twitter where her handle is Natalie underscore fern, or visit her company website at Revopsautomated.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, shame on you, head over to Revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the RevGen Podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.